Hi, welcome back to Make Do. I'm Julia Scott. And I'm Tiff Arment. And we want to let you know that this time of year is membership drive time here at Relay. So if you're not already a member, you can go to relay.fm slash make do. You can choose to support this show for just $5 a month or $50 a year and keep us in oils and tea bags. <laughs> <laughs> and we just put out our member special episode where good friend of the show, John Syracuse, guides us through trying to recreate the same paint painting. And uh, yeah, you should definitely go check it out. It is very zen. Um, it's, it's funny, but the way John speaks, I just, while I was editing it, it, I was zoning out in like this really nice, like beautiful Zen way as he's describing this landscape for us to paint. Um, and you will absolutely love the twist at the end. <laughs> and I just, it was so funny because somehow both like with our finished paintings, which we'll put up in a little bit on Instagram, um, but also like I think our kind of like reactions and way of working throughout the episode like says something about us as people and creative people too <laughs> where I I totally zend out at some point and pretty much the same as last year where I was like left right I know not these things <laughs> <laughs> so make sure you go over to relay.fm slash make do and support make do and the work uh, that we do with this podcast we would really appreciate it it would help us so so much um, we put a lot of work into the member special so if you can go and support us directly that would be really awesome for both our self-esteem and our ability to continue doing this show <laughs> so um, again that is relay.fm fm slash make do and you can support through membership and you can uh get this wonderful episode which um uh i just i love it so much oh and the pictures the the art and also the time lapses will mm -hmm. be in the show notes for that episode so you'll be able to see it directly and i even i did something fancy and i put it as a show art when we started <gasps> talking about them towards the end so the the um, images will pop up if you are you know, uh, listening in, I don't know, overcast or anything else where it displays the art. So it would, um, it'd be pretty awesome. Go, 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 go now flock, take a pause, flock, <laughs> membership, make do. Thank you. <laughs> uh, also it's time again for the Relay FM St. Jude podcast-a-thon and donation drive. Um, so please also check that out to see more of the amazing work that St. Jude does for kids with cancer and their families and the that work that you you can support the the boys why am i calling them the boys <laughs> mike and steven at relay uh do such an amazing job with this every year and you guys have been donating and it's amazing so all of that info will will be in the show notes for this episode so Woo. all right we did all that yeah all the laundry all right goodbye all right. aired it out <laughs> So this week, we're going to get real with you guys. Literally, I apologize right, right off the bat. No, uh, we want to talk a little bit about sort of the concept of realism in art and how we talk about it and how it feels like society talks about it. And, you know, we, we've talked a lot about sort of making things look real, but also feel real, which isn't necessarily the same thing. So like, just straight off the bat, this is both a rhetorical question and not. Do you think that realism, like being able to portray something realistically, is like better or best? I mean, rhetorically, the answer would have to be 
I don't know. <laughs> like, um, because so the idea of being able to create something in a realistic way is oftentimes the ideal when you're thinking about um, can I make, can I draw a person, right? You want to have realistic proportions. You don't want them to look like some sort of like mutant from another planet that you're not really sure what it is. You want them to look like a person. So the idea of realistically capturing uh, something like where eyes are on a face, it's very important in order to translate what you're trying to make and have the right proportion, have it not look strange. You don't ever want to pull someone out of your art in a way that you think it just it looks bad because it looks wrong and not to this isn't you know saying when the rules are broken and you get something that is extremely abstract or but it still has the essence of like I have drawn a human or I have drawn an apple even if it is like melting over a tree branch but you the idea of achieving actual just realism I don't think that that is necessarily the art or the goal for any artist but at the same time it helps if you know how to do it uh, for me I've always said that the idea of pursuing realism feels more tangible than the idea of pursuing something abstract because when it's abstract I don't know where I'm going with that that is something that I've not learned that is something that it feels like a concept that is just imaginative like floating out in the air like somewhere that i'm just going to find this it's inspiration and right and, and you also won't necessarily know when you're done whereas right, you won't know when you're realism done. you're like it looks like the thing <laughs> right i have achieved the thing it has the shadows it has the highlights it looks like it looks like the scissors in the cup on my desk like i have achieved this is the real thing that i i have painted so it almost feels like there's an an end point in your skills in can I make something look so hyper real and hyper realism is a whole nother element of realism uh, versus did I just make a painting that has feelings? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause I think it's really interesting because I, I pretty much agree with everything you said, you know, that, that it feels, and I think a lot of the time early on, like for me and for people in general, like when you're younger, it does kind of feel like that's the pinnacle, that's the goal. And that's probably partly because it is hard when you're younger and you haven't learned a lot of the stuff. And probably also because you might not necessarily have the sort of knowledge of art and art history to appreciate a lot of the more sort of abstract or modernist paintings. You're just like, yes, but it doesn't look like the thing, you know? And sometimes it can feel like, that can be the sort of outside perspective where where you get the like, you know, my three-year-old could paint that kind of thing. Like, why doesn't it look like the thing? I hate that. I hate when people say that. Yeah. That drives me but absolutely you didn't. Sad. Like, <laughs> Yeah, you didn't. And your three-year-old didn't. And it's like, oh, that sculpture. Yeah, I could have just slapped that together. It's like, yeah, but you didn't. So, yeah. There you go. Yeah, look, and there is, they're often, even when things are, very realistic there almost always has to be something more there uh and maybe sometimes you don't understand it or you don't have the context but a lot of the times you can like pick up on that there's something like because like you were saying like hyper realism or photorealism versus a sort of what i in the notes have written as quote-unquote recognizable realism like i can see exactly what this is it is accurately sort of depicted but it doesn't necessarily have to be full-on photorealism and then what I find myself so kind of 
stumped by in a philosophical arty sense is that kind of hyperrealism that you're talking about because I don't know how to feel about it. Like I'm impressed to like the nth degree with it. But when I see even like a pencil drawing that I'm like, well, that that's a photo. Oh, it's not a photo. You know what I mean? I'm like, it is insanely impressive. But some part of my brain is like, so what is there that's not just the photo, you know? And there there are a number of painters as well who can paint. Like I said just the other day, it was a painting of jelly jars that just look like an advertising photo because they're so amazingly well done. And it's so interesting to me because I know this definitely isn't the measure of what is art, but to me, like, I wouldn't put that on my wall, you know, because it's jelly. You know what I mean? Like, it's an amazing artistic ability and and achievement, but I don't feel anything for it beyond that's amazing, you know? I think what you're referring to here is the like the painterly part of, mm-hmm. of a painting. And that's something that was brought up oftentimes in the figure classes and the few classes that I was able to take. Oftentimes, like you would get into something and you'd get into the weeds of the details and you'd be really focusing. And the professor would come around and be like, you need to like have some technique in the brush strokes because the brush strokes and the the texture or just the the adding of the light or or whatever you're doing when you're painting something it needs to be a little painterly like you need to be okay with it not being like oh i'm i am not going to paint every pore on this person's face but i am going to move my brush in a way that creates a contour that is just one brush stroke and it might even be a little heavy handed or it might be light, but whatever it is, it's giving that element of this is still a painting and it's that painterly moment. And I'm sure this can translate to um, sculptors as well, or anyone else who is creating some sort of art that it's about the, the art of it, the strokes or the texture um, that is making it give you emotions or feelings it's not the direct translation of does this exactly look like the hyper realistic version i mean we see a lot of paintings that they use interesting colors for skin tones and when you step back it absolutely looks like the skin tone that is intended whether it is darker skin or lighter skin or or more olivey skin like but yet they use the gambit of colors and it's absolutely stunning and you step back and you're like, wow, that's like so thoughtful and and interesting and art, right? Like you you feel the art from something, but it's not realistic. Like realistically, you don't have like a big swatch of green across your face, but it is kind of there if you start like really picking it apart. But like that, like emphasizing those things are is the like the the art of something and choosing what to pull out and what to push back. I that's where we're getting the painterly art <laughs> the soul stuff yeah and <laughs> the I soul f- yeah i feel kind of like you know it's it's somehow the difference between depicting and capturing sort mm-hmm. of like the capturing has more of evoking kind of thing mm-hmm. where you know you you capture the essence of something and it can still be super realistic but there is something there like you're saying like you're making choices they might not even be completely conscious choices but there's something there of you yeah 
it's in landscapes too. Like you can get yeah. it from like you're painting a landscape and just like you watch Bob Ross and you just like put some paint on and then it looks like amazing. Like the sun is kissing these trees and it's so great, but it's not like he's not sitting there literally drawing in every single leaf. It, he's just, he's, he's making it have that essence, that, that painterly essence. Yeah. It's very much evoking. Like I know mm-hmm. how this, you know, sort of birch tree with the yellowing sort of fluff of leaves looks like and feels like and it's also letting the viewer's mind have some fun with it too i mm-hmm. think that there's yeah. an element between like the give and take of the artist and the the viewer of the art where you want the viewer to think a little bit you know i feel like a lot of times the hyper realism the the thought that's going in is like oh my god is that actually a painting or a drawing you know that's where the the clever mind trick comes in but when you're looking at other pieces of art that aren't hyper realistic it's kind of like a, a good poem where you read it and there are words that you're reading and it takes you a minute for your brain to make the connection but when you make those jumps and those poetic connections in your mind it gives you that little like tickle of oh I figured this out. This is referencing this. And it's, it's um, you know, evoking this kind of emotion or it's making me think of this image. And I think our brains love when something like that feels new and fresh. And when we look at art and we can give our minds a little bit of an exercise with trying to figure out what we're actually looking at or how we're looking at it or how the light is playing off itself, that's when we like something. Because it's just like a good joke too, right? Like you like a good joke because it's new and fresh. You don't like the old tire joke. No one's brain is like, oh yeah, that's fantastic. No, no one likes an old tire joke. Everyone loves a new fresh joke where it's making a connection you never thought of before. And I feel like art and painting and sculpture and even photography, if you're getting an angle that you hadn't seen before or colors that you hadn't seen before even and when you talk about photography editing like highly edited photographs it makes your brain pleased with something new and different yeah and I think because at first I was thinking that it's kind of like the much nicer sort of positive mirror image of you know when you're watching horror movies nothing can be as scary as what your brain will fill in when you're not seeing the monster yep (laughs) so kind of like it's like when you're asleep in the dark it's like nothing is more scary than what could be under the bed when there's actually yeah and once they show you the monster (laughs) most of the charge goes out of the movie so the same but again the mirror image but i also feel like because what it allows for is also because of the sort of the gaps that when when you're kind of marking out most of the leaves or whatever it might be, that the gaps also let you fill it in in so many different ways. Because say, for instance, that you know that this artist spent a lot of time in Spain and then took with him the sort of ideas of the kind of light in Spain, but he painted landscapes in a completely different part of the world. Like if you know that, you can see something. Or maybe you don't know that, but you have spent time in Spain. And you're like, wow, this, you know, uh, this town square from... Prince Edward Island feels Spanish. I wonder why that is. Or you've been somewhere else entirely that has nothing to do with how, you know, any intention or history that the painter has, but it makes you think of Spain. Or, you know, like mm-hmm. all those things. And the same with a poem where you have all these frames of reference or you know things about the artist or you know things about that time in history. Or like there's so much there to to fill in. And I think like the the, the artist part of it and the painterly part of it is I think also and I do I I 
I would bet that this obviously must have changed with kind of the advent of actual photography <laughs> because before then it was just amazing and it's again like I was saying it's I'm amazed and astounded and impressed but when someone is a hyper-realistic painter or or artist it's really hard to distinguish them like one hyper-realistic pencil drawing of a certain actor will look the same as another artist's hyper-realistic pencil sketch of that actor they will only be different because the reference image is different you know whereas mm-hmm. just a tight... or like really minor techniques where you'd have to look so closely exactly to find out. yeah and that's where you get like well is this you know a pencil sketch in the middle of this huge color graffiti field or something like where the second you add something more or when you're like something is weird about the eyes so i know that this is this one artist because she has this that you know what i mean like and that's where I think that really, really comes in because the the step between sort of realism to hyperrealism or photorealism isn't necessarily that big, but that's where something more comes in. And you started talking about sculptures because I've been thinking that's where you really get in, into like just the, the technique there can amaze me more. Like when you see, for instance... Um, people who work in marble and there's one image that goes around the internet a lot where you have a man who is holding a woman's thigh and his fingers press into her thigh and you would swear that that marble is soft flesh because he's just like captured and you know that he didn't like you know he didn't make a plaster mold of these poor people (laughs) you know standing somewhere (laughs) he saw how that works and like people who make marble sculptures of you know a thin veil of fabric falling over someone's face and again you would swear that this is a sculpture of a woman's head and then someone has actually put a thin linen cloth over her head and you're like how how does your brain do that but most of the time like if you're in a museum and you're walking through you know this hallway of of marble statues and marble busts most of those are only interesting because of who they're of and sometimes who they're by, but the ones that are actually interesting are always the one that have something more. Where, for instance, you're like, well, this hair, everything about like this face looks very real, but they've done this weird thing with the hair that's hyper stylized. Mm-hmm. Or you can see like how someone could in clay or marble or bronze capture agony on someone's face. You know what I mean? Like the second there's something else and that's something that isn't about realism because I don't think you just like you ask your model to be like, you know, think about the worst thing that ever. I'm sure some sculptors do, but you know what I mean? Like you have to understand something more. Mm -hmm. And that's where I feel like it's the same thing. Like I'm super impressed with people who can make a sculpture that looks exactly like someone uh, or like make a completely, you know, naturalistic tree out of whatever it might be and but then again like it's it's more interesting when you get up close and you're like wow this is this is a tree made of of you know pieces of of uh, soda cans or when you look at it from this angle this old woman looks mean but from this angle she looks nice and that's you know they've worked with the light and do you think that we have gotten oversaturated with art in that now we are being so much more critical or looking for so much more. I think about the people who aren't, you know, browsing Instagram or or looking or in museums or or just doing like washing yourself with art every single day. 
And the pe- so the people who aren't doing that, when they see something fresh or a hyper-realistic painting, and again, this is not saying that those are not good or impressive because they so, so, so are. But it's almost like when you see so much of it over and over and over again, you end up craving more. It's like when you eat like regular food all the time and you're just like, all right, I can't, I just can't have a burger anymore. If I, if I have a burger again, it has to be the most extraordinary burger or something completely different or I don't know, made with some sort of crazy exotic meats. Like who, who knows? Like it's, it's one of those things where we've, you and I have been, I don't know, immersing ourselves in so much art because that's what we like and that's what we enjoy seeing that now we're we're getting a little bit jaded to <laughs> some of like the standard stuff and we are craving more whereas if you showed any of these pieces to to someone who is not hypersaturated with art uh that it would feel I don't know, we'd be having a different conversation, right? Like if we were in a different state of our art consumption. I think yes and no. Because yes, and but <laughs> I kind of feel like with the hyper-realistic stuff, and it's funny, kind of unfairly, I think sculpture and painting will get this differently, which possibly is because of photographs. I don't know if 3D printing will ruin the way that I feel about sculpture in, in 10 years time. <laughs> but I think it's the same that if some, if, you know, I think of myself as a kid or people that I know who aren't hyper super into art. And like, if you show them one of those like jam jars or a picture of a puddle and you said, this is a painting, I think you get the same reaction of like, wow, that is amazing. Like maybe the level of impressive is more the first like five or 10 or hundred times you see it. But I think there's still that thing of a lot of the time there has to be something more that something that grabs you, something that I think that soul speaks between the thing and the the beholder somehow. And this is like super philosophical, but I just like that's that's the way that like when I hear people talking or when I read not artsy people, you know, writing about experiences, it it gives me the feeling, sort of, that most of the time when something evokes something there's either something more in the painting or sometimes something in you that like the, say the the puddle for instance say that i still lived in california and i see this amazing painting of a fall puddle that would that would hit me because i'd be like i haven't experienced actual fall <laughs> and like enough rain to make puddles in 20 years you know what i mean and that's where there's something more in me that grabs onto that. But then I think I would still be like, I, you know, I, I would want this because it reminds me of, you know, my motherland. But at the same time, couldn't I then have a picture of a puddle with fall leaves on it? You know, like, and, and this may just be how my brain works. And I'm not saying that I'm right and I don't think you are either. But I just feel like, and I don't think, I hope it's not like an elitist thing to say that I think a lot of people will just feel more for something that has something. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. Uh, it, what you what you talked about with the puddle made me think of this one painting that I have. Uh, it's actually a print. It, it's not a painting, but I saw it, and it was the work of like a watercolor person who um, the artist is, works in watercolor mainly, and very um, deliberate, quick watercolor. Like it looks like you know you do a stroke a stroke, a stroke, like it's just very, um, it's not layered. It's more just there. 
And and again, not to say it's not good because obviously I bought the print because I loved it, but it's (laughs) of one of those um, like folding chairs that were made out of like aluminum and the webbing, the like almost checkerboard webbing that goes across them from i don't know like mid-century or or a little bit later like in the 70s everyone had them like they were like these lawn chairs and i just remember my grandpa sitting in one of these chairs and i saw this print and i was like oh my gosh i need this because it totally just feels like my grandpa like it's so weird that this this painting this print just felt like that and again it could have just been like a picture of one of those chairs but it didn't make me feel that way that it was the artistry of this particular watercolor painting it felt like a hot summer day like it felt a little drippy but without being drippy you know it felt washed out it it felt like the way a weathered one of these chairs would just look and that's all it was it was just this it's just the chair like in the middle of like a blank piece of paper but like it's it was so great and so good and it really hit me. But I think someone else looking at this would be like, oh, I could have done that. It's just like a couple stripes and some like, you know, gray bars to make it look like a chair. But you didn't. But you didn't, right? You didn't. And it's an awesome, I, I love it so much. And But I also think, so the idea of some prints are, and to be a little bit like art snobby here and um, to be a little assy, I guess, like I think art people get assy sometimes and it's okay. Uh, but we do need to rein it back and recognize our assiness. So I'm going to recognize my assiness and I'm going to say I'm like, sitting all right. here considering if I'm going to put goose honks over every time you say that. It's assy. We're allowed to say assy. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Are we? <laughs> I think so. I- we'll find out. Um, they can say it on TV. It's okay. So you can only listen to this episode after eight o'clock at night. <laughs> Sorry, keep going. <laughs> so you go into like one of those um, home stores, like a Home Goods or something like that, or like a Marshalls or any place where they just or kind Ikea. of have, or IKEA. That's a good one where they just have like just bins and bins and bins of art that you can just put on your wall, it's and like pebbles or yeah, there's like a thousand of them, like yeah. Yeah. So there's like a thousand of them where if you want a picture of, you know, Audrey Hepburn with some crazy glasses on, that's like a painting of her. You can just put it up on your wall. Now, I look at that kind of stuff. And as we're talking about, like, what is art and how does it make us feel? And it, it, it begs the question of when someone sees a piece like that, where it feels so commercially done and redone and redone and redone. But yet someone has a feeling about those pieces and buys them and puts them in their home and says like, this is what I love. You know, how do you feel about that kind of stuff in relation to a, a painter who actually, if you think about it, there probably was somebody who made that at some point and it just got crazy reproduced and they never got any rights or credits for it. But like, how do you feel about that? I don't know. I find myself getting unfairly snobby about it sometimes. And I need to like rein myself in and be like, people like what they like. It's okay. It's okay. But at the same time, I'm like, I just want people to also appreciate like the beauty of a real painting or, um, and again, it, why do I use that term real painting and fake painting? Like, I, I don't know. I think that th- maybe this is a whole nother topic here. We're getting off track from our realism discussion, but it kind of started making me think of even the realism of a real painting versus <laughs> a, you know, piece of Ikea art. Yeah. 
we haven't talked about anything like that before because we never want to hurt anyone's feelings and make anyone feel like what they like is less than anything else. But I think in the art world, a lot of times this uh, this concept of these like instant pieces of art versus something that isn't like that takes time. I don't know. What do you think? I think part of that is kind of, you know, tied up with the whole idea of selling out. Like if you make lots of money or you sell your stuff to a big actor who mass produces it. But I think part of it is because for me, like, I don't I, even think most of those are selling out because they're like 10 bucks. So <laughs> I don't know who's getting those. Like, but they, but because they're going to sell so many of them, the license was probably at least somewhat profitable for like the design you firm hope? that made them. You would Yeah, hope. you hope they licensed them <laughs> at all, right? Not just made them. People who rip off people in Etsy all the time. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. But that's, that's a separate, which we should get back to. Uh, oh, we yeah. talked a little bit about copying, but no, but what I'm getting at is like, I think that anything that people see that sort of makes them happy and evokes something in them is valid on some level. I do feel like some of those things are kind of sold with the understanding and bought with the understanding that like, I just need something on this wall Mm -hmm. to something that is in tones of gray or blue, (laughs) like for this one room. But for me, there's a huge difference, I think, between like, say, you know, uh, Audrey Hepburn in a in a graphic t-shirt print or whatever and the like frame with three slots and then it has like you know a picture a black and white picture of a pebble and of a succulent and of a tree branch because to me those are indistinguishable from the placeholders that can be in frames mm-hmm. you know what I mean like if there was just like if there was price and company info on the photos those would be the things that you take out to put in the thing that you want you know what I mean? And right. and that that does come with some artistic thing because when you if you're doing sort of hyperrealist stuff, what makes it something more is the same as what makes a photograph something more. Like you chose to assemble things in a certain way, pose someone in a certain way, you found the light, and that is what makes it more than uh these things were here, you walked into the kitchen, you're looking at them. I think. And I think that's where kind of the difference is for me that if it's really just like this could have been made by flipping through a catalog of stock imagery and could just as well be a placeholder for a frame or the thing that gets put up on the wall. I think that's where my line is kind of because with most of those like mass produced prints, I feel like what they do is they do kind of evoke something, whether it's like I like bugs. This poster has bugs. <laughs> or, you know, I like Audrey Hepburn, which, you know, it's a whole other discussion is if is liking Audrey Hepburn a personality or not. Because <laughs> I think that's a phase all girls go through. Yep. But you know what I mean? Like, and that's that's why most of those things get bought. And sometimes it might just be like, this fits with the color scheme of the room. But that doesn't mean that everyone else who buys it doesn't buy it because it does something to them, you know? Um, so I think that's kind of where my thing is. And it's just, it's, it is a really interesting discussion where you get into like, well, everything you buy has been designed by someone, Mm -hmm. even if it's the plainest, you know, plant pot or mug or frame at some point, someone made an aesthetic choice. Sometimes those choices were super basic. They might not even have been made by a designer, you know, and it's when people talk you know, like in, in Sweden, there's this concept of an architect drawn house. And what they mean usually is like it's a more or less custom house. But I'm mm-hmm. like, 
every house has been drawn by an architect. Otherwise, it's going to fall over. You know, like that's, (laughs) it's just like, but is it mass produced? And I feel like mass production in and of itself isn't bad and doesn't necessarily make something not art. I mean, sometimes those things end up becoming just utilitarian, right? If you if you do think of it in the concept of like a mass produced house versus a, you know, designed house. Yes, they were both designed. One had the intention of being more artistic and thoughtful and interesting. The other one was designed with an objective of just having a building over someone's yeah, reproducibility head. sort of right like the idea that the art behind it wasn't the intention that it wasn't the goal it was utilitarian and maybe a lot of these pieces that like are through ikea it's like the the utility of this is i need something green you know <laughs> like on this wall or i i want black and white to go with the style of it so here is this black and white image that i just found and popped up there so like the artistry of it has been stripped away in and replaced with utilitarianism. But I think that some like it's it's easy to say like well if you just pop anything up on your wall that's because you don't, you know, care about art or like it. But I think this is hard to say because I am an elitist snob. Uh, no, but I think like there there must be levels of caring about or appreciating art because I can sometimes feel like I try to, or we try to in my home, to sometimes just like move paintings around because if something is in the same place for too long, in my experience, you f- you forget that it's there. It just like yeah. blends into the whole thing. And then like, am I then just as, you know, as much of a Philistine for not <laughs> seeing and appreciating my art, even though it's real art? You know what I mean? And I, right. you know, and so maybe someone who you know the 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 pebbles or the the picture of the brooklyn bridge it makes them happy and that counts for something but still like levels levels in hell and or heaven i guess kind of so when when you have art on your walls um i i so for me when there is something in my house that like i really like and it makes me feel things whether it's something that i bought from another artist or that um I, I have in my home because I I love it or it's something that I made when it's in the right place and you like see it every day. I don't know about you, but I tend to appreciate that stuff every single day. Like there's this one painting that we got at an auction in the, you know, up in the country and I have no idea who painted it. Uh, but it looks like this like wet city scene and it's really abstract and it, it's just so it looks like the city after rain without anyone having painted any rain if that makes sense Mm -hmm. it's so great we bought it for like 25 bucks nobody else in this like farm auction was interested in this thing at all and it's hanging in our living room we haven't moved it in years but i look at it every single day and i love it every day like i maybe that's like the thing do you walk past you know what you've put on your wall and you you know just walk past it and and that's it it's just something that's there or you notice it every morning or every afternoon, wherever, whenever you're in its presence and you're like, gosh, I, I love that. I remember when we got this. I remember when I made this, you know, there's um, also the uh, the artwork that I did last summer with um, taking all the pieces of sea glass that I found and like kind of arranging it in like this circle pattern and kind of ombre that's over where we have breakfast. And again, that's one of those things I look at. I was like, gosh, I, 
I can't believe I made that stupid thing and I like it <laughs> so much. Like I just like it so much. Like it makes me feel so good. I don't know. Is is that like, you know, what art and and what makes it real for us? Like it gives us those real emotions. I'm going to again say yes and no, because I know exactly what you mean. Like I have so many things in my home that are. We're getting so off track here, but I think it's great. (laughs) That's what we do. Uh, (laughs) uh, I know like I have some pieces that I do like they make me happy almost every time I see them and like I will almost make an effort to see them, you know, Mm -hmm. but then I also have stuff that's like I like this or don't tell my husband some things that are his that I don't care about as much or whatever. But I think that even when they make me happy, sometimes just rearranging um, or, you know, bringing in something new can just be like, mm-hmm. you get to appreciate it in a slightly new way. It doesn't yeah. have to be better. It's just, you're like, Oh, Hey, these look really nice above the TV too. And now that's the, sometimes that's just it too. Like things will get focal points in different ways in your home, depending on how you use certain rooms. But to get back to realism, because something that you said right at the beginning of like, you know, the the whole concept of understanding the rules to be able to break them. Do you think that you need some sort of base level of realistic skill to be able to do other art? Or is it just like it's a it's a bonus. It's a good to have, but not a must. From what I've been learning about myself in trying to make art as like a, a thing that I enjoy doing or want to be good at. I find that the people who have the most concepts of, you know, the rules who then go on to break them or (laughs) to stretch them or to, you know, manipulate them in some way, those are, and those are usually the best. Like you can see skill, you can see, you know, it's just, you, you, you can see the care and you can see the knowledge behind a lot of it, whether it's um, knowledge of color, it's knowledge of light. They know what's they're not putting into the painting. They know what's right. there, but not there. They know the the contours of like a human and how the proportions are. Um, you know, when you look at a painting or a piece of art or anything where you have like four light sources, you're like, what strange planet are we on where there are four suns here? Like this, not, this cannot happen and it's bad and it looks bad and weird because it's it's not right and i think that there is very not right unless it's very clearly on purpose yeah well i mean it can still be bad but there you can definitely tell the difference when someone hasn't thought about shadows and when someone's like i'm trying to make you uncomfortable right there are very (laughs) different moments in that like and and you can see in different ways that people make art like an illustration or a a graphic image of something like that is very bold and and stylized it still needs to look right like you can't you can't just do whatever you want um it still needs to have some sort of flow some sort of proportion to it um even like the most like crazy abstract pieces of art so there's this one artist um Callum Schwab I don't know I'll we'll put a link in the show notes anyway he does this thing it's it's great because everyone makes fun of his art so much they call it fake art they think like anyone can do this because it's a lot of poured pieces and he like spins the canvases and pours the paint on but when he shows his videos that he is as he's making a piece like yeah sometimes some of them seem really simple but he will put like layer upon layer upon layer of paint until it looks right to him and the the little like colorful swoosh on a white you know painted canvas 
he's not going to settle with it if it doesn't if the swoosh doesn't look right. Like it's not just about the swoosh, it's about like the feeling this stupid swoosh gives you. So it is real art. And I love when he paints over people telling him that his art is fake and garbage like in messages because and that's what he calls all of his pieces. He's like they're all fake art. But but they're and not. And also just like you need a lot of technique and practice to be able to make the painting do what you want like you oh, can and you, to have the colors to even do what you want like exactly. to know like you can't just put any old color together in a in a cup and pour it out and it's gonna look awesome like that's actually a lot of technique and a lot of skill and a lot of practice there's a reason that youtubers will do like trying acrylic pour art and the result is not just like paint by numbers <laughs> Yeah, some of them look really bad. Like, they just look bad because you don't know what you're doing. Uh, you, you know, you could have an accident and be like, oh, this is good. But, you know, your brain thinks it's good because it's it's meeting all of those things. And the people that can, can continually reproduce that kind of stuff because they know the rules, you know, that's when you have an artist. Uh, so I, I definitely do think that the rules absolutely help. But you also need soul like you also need heart you can't just know the rules uh then then you just get you know a standard you know okay i drew a whale and it's like all right there's a whale and you're like great that looks like a whale feels like a whale but i don't know like it's not giving me anything uh so i think that they're to create a wonderful artist and a wonderful piece of art you need both technique and soul without a doubt yeah for instance um Talking about this is making me think about Norman Rockwell, who is, uh, you know, he 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 does things that feel very almost photorealistic. And for that, I think hasn't necessarily been appreciated because people are like, you know, oh, his paintings always come with a moral. And it's like, yeah, but it's not always the one you think it is. But he had this skill of using tons of reference and most of it looks hyper real but then he knows exactly where to make especially since he has saved a lot of his reference photos you can see where he knows exactly where to tug a little bit extra at like the corner of a mouth or an eyebrow mm -hmm. to make someone look extra peeved or whatever and that's where i think the other thing comes in where like it maybe that's even more like when it still feels super super realistic but it's making you feel it's Again, it's evoking something. Absolutely. I think we're going to start wrapping up, but I just, I want to ask you what you think your relationship is to realism. How do you sort of feel about it? Because I know you've, over the past couple of years, you've been doing a lot of practice with realism, with fruits <laughs> and <laughs> portraits and, and landscapes. And then sometimes it is more of a, an, an evoking. What is your personal relationship to it? Well, I've said it before in other places, but realism to me right now feels like a good goal to go towards. I feel like I need to get all those techniques under my belt to create a realistic human, realistic water, you know, whatever I'm painting, realistic fruit. Like I, I want to get close to the idea of realism and evoking that this is a real thing. It is lit by a single real sun or light source. Um, you know, it is, uh, it, it is presence. It, it's in the world. It's on a table. Like these simple concepts are actually really difficult to achieve. And so I personally would love to achieve them first before I start, you know, painting floating apples with, you know, six different suns. So 
yeah, my relationship with realism right now is a learning tool because I can see the goal. I can, I can see the end, like what I'm striving for. And then after that, um, I'll let you know how I go (laughs) with, uh, abstract because to me, I appreciate and love and, and like abstract art in my life more than realism. If that's what I want to have around me, that's what I kind of gravitate towards when I'm looking at art and, and appreciating art. But at the same time, that isn't something that I feel like I am on the path of, of creating right now. How about you? Same, but I'm way, way further down <laughs> that ladder. Because I was thinking when you're talking about that it's a goal, and I'm like, maybe it's more of a milestone, like a marker when you're when you'll know that you're closer to what might actually be the goal. But yeah, like I would want to be good at it. And sometimes I am usually if I've been practicing for a while, like picking it up again. But because like painting and drawing for a while hasn't been my main focus, I'm not as good at it as I would like to be. And part of me is also like, it's hard and I don't want to practice. I'm going to do something else. Um, You're so naturally good at proportions that whenever (laughs) I see you do like any kind of line drawing or any kind of illustration, it like, you're so much better at proportions than I am. I have to work so hard. Like (laughs) I've seen you draw. I've been in the presence of you when you were drawing and it's like, you can make a person look like a person just on your first try. I need like four hours to get it right. Like I can't just do it. I feel like I'm, I'm fighting something. And I think that that's where a lot of the, the heart comes in where, you know, you might not have the practice for it, but you certainly have like the heart and the feel of how to create these things. And I, I don't have that. So I feel like I need to make up for it with a lot of practice and then eventually I'll get there. Uh, I, and I think that that's okay. I mean, everyone has a different way of doing things. And that's something that we talk about on the show all the time is when you're making art, you can learn the things that it doesn't feel like it's possible to learn, but you can with practice. And it's amazing. You know what really, really just hit me? That this whole podcast and almost all of our conversations are about the different sort of different formations of the Venn diagram of heart, head, and hand. Oh, because yeah. like you, because because like you can have like the heart in that you might have certain innate things or you know how to capture, and then the hand is sort of the both the, the practical ability to translate it from your head or the 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 practice uh, the from the heart and then the head is sort of that the stubbornness to just be like yes I have to practice um and then people will have those things in different proportions or care more about them mm-hmm. and I think one thing that I'm really really afraid of is trying to get more into sculpture of people but even just like realistic sculpture in general, because I think it's the same there. Like I'm good at capturing the essence of a little clay turtle or a little clay cat. So that you're like, yes, that is a cute cat on top of that little box. But to sculpt an actual cat, because that's where proportion is also like, you know, when you see pictures, not just of bad sculptures, but like badly stuffed animals. <laughs> and you're like, it's a question of like, you know, an eighth of an inch to the left and the nose is just like completely bananas. And I feel like with sculpture, it is so hard to figure out. I mean, actually, it is the same as with painting. It's just that you're like, you know, it's harder to take away and put on sometimes. Practice makes better. (laughs) So, yeah. And maybe I should stop putting it off. Or I'll make super experimental sculptures. 
I don't know. There we. <laughs> and I, I think we'll have. To, I think we we'll really should. have to come back to in an episode to talk more about abstraction and like primitive and naive uh, forms of art because I think that's also a super interesting topic. But um, yeah. You can find our show notes over at relay.fm slash make do. And you can also become a member of relay.fm and support this show. And we are make do pod on Twitter and Instagram. So make sure you go over to relay.fm slash make do in order to go become a member and help us out. And maybe if you're interested, uh, drop us a line. Tell us if you are a member of our show, if you're into, you know, us making t-shirts for you or sending you stickers or, or anything <laughs> like that. Um, I'm curious if anyone would be uh, keen to have some little treats. And I love I love also when you guys talk about, you know, the, the episodes that you like a little bit more or the things that you wish that we would talk about. Like, you know, we 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 are clearly very good at talking at length about both what we're supposed to be talking about and something else. But I love finding like we've added so many things to our list of topics because someone just like messaged us or wrote us an email because you guys are way smarter than us. And there's also more of you than the two of us. So yeah, we love any of your topic suggestions or ideas or anything that you are struggling with that you might want us to help talk you through or or just something that you know we should chat about while you are doing your craft project at home. Uh, <laughs> but any of those things, we love hearing from you. And um, you can reach out to us on Make Do Pod on Twitter and Instagram or individually at Tiffany Arman and at Julia Scott, S-K-O-T-T. And we will be back in a fortnight. And until then, uh, go make and do realistically or not. <laughs> it's important to have realistic expectations. <laughs> <laughs> that it there. That's it. <laughs> That's it. Goodbye. Good night. Tip your waitress. <laughs>